When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What are you doing right now? Perhaps you're in the supermarket. Maybe you're on a run or on the commute. But wherever you are in the world, and whatever you're doing, right now you're also listening to my voice. This is the power of podcasts. The ability to communicate with your audience in an intimate and intentional way through audio. I'm B. Duncan, Senior Partnerships Producer at Intelligence Squared. We've been a world-leading forum for talks, debates and events for over two decades. And we also use our cutting-edge curation, creativity and editorial expertise to elevate your brand to new audiences with podcasting. Intrigued? To find out what we can do for your organisation, book into a free consultation with me today. Find out more by going to www.intelligencesquared.com forward slash partnerships. Hi, my name is Harry. My dad is the CEO of Intelligence Squared. I have four things to say. First of all, Intelligence Squared runs amazing online debate courses and camps for kids with a great organisation called Debate Me. I've taken two of them. They were awesome. It made me feel self-confident. Now I don't feel shy. Second, if you don't live in the UK but want to do a course, Intelligence Squared will put on one for you if you can get at least 10 kids to sign up. This means you can live anywhere in the world and get the best Oxford-style debating training. My third point is, please go to intelligencesquared.com slash mydebate for more details. And in closing, here's my final statement. Debate Mate also works with adults and professionals. Same deal. Form your own group or class at least 10 people. Fill out a form at intelligencesquared.com slash mydebate and we'll put on the course whenever works for you. Hello podcast listeners, I'm Connor and welcome to this special episode of Intelligence Squared. Today's episode is in partnership with the Tightrope Podcast, hosted by Dr. Cornell West, the American philosopher, political activist and well-known public intellectual, as well as Professor Trisha Rose, the American sociologist and author who pioneered scholarship in hip-hop. And in this episode, they spoke to Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, the groundbreaking Somali-American who represents Minnesota's 5th Congressional District. She's one of the leading figures in the progressive wing of the Democratic Party, and she laid out her people-first plan to transform American society and how the progressive movement can take back the Senate and the White House. It's a really fascinating conversation, and if you do enjoy it, you should check out more from the Tightrope Podcast, and you can do so by clicking the link in our podcast description and subscribing today. Now, let's go to the episode. What we are mobilizing for right now isn't just to sustain the House and win the Senate and get the White House, but it's to keep up the momentum on the ground because we're going to need an organized electorate in order to have sustainable change. 
We are witnessing America as a failed social experiment. How do we tell this story in a way that builds the kind of emotional momentum that colorblind ideology builds? So many young brothers and sisters of the younger generation find themselves so far removed from the best of their past. What are we going to make out of the nothing we've been given? How do you envision possibility? Hello, everyone. Welcome. And thanks for joining us on this special edition of The Tightrope. I'm Trisha Rose here with my co-host and friend Cornell West. Today's episode of The Tightrope is what they call a takeover of the Intelligence Squared podcast. For those of you who don't know them, Intelligence Squared is a leading forum for discussion and debate with high profile guests from around the world. So if you're watching or listening to this on The Tightrope, check out the Intelligence Squared podcast and the YouTube channel. And if you found us through Intelligence Squared, please take a look at the links to the Tyrobes podcast and channels in the description and subscribe. Today's guest is Minnesota Congresswoman Ilan Omar. She represents Minnesota's fifth congressional district, which includes the city of Minneapolis. Before becoming a congresswoman two years ago, she was an experienced Twin City policy analyst and community organizer. She's one of only two Muslim American women elected to Congress, the first Somali American member of Congress, and the first woman of color to represent Minnesota. Representative Omar, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the tightrope. It is an honor to be here with you guys. We're, we're thrilled to have you. I just want to start off. I know we don't have a lot of time with you today. And I just wanted to start off with, you know, how you're doing, how your family's doing. I know everyone's wondering, you know, you're running around on the trail, but also how's your constituencies doing? What, what's on the ground where things are right now? I mean, we're, we're all holding on. You know, I represent um, a district that includes all of Minneapolis and 14 other surrounding municipalities. And as many of you know, Minneapolis has been ground zero for um, the response our communities have had to police brutality after the murder of George Floyd in the hands of the Minneapolis police. And so there's a lot of trauma that has been unearthed. There's a lot of pain. People were already struggling because of the public health pandemic and the financial crisis that it brought and now, you know, there's there's just a lot of other pain um, that people are going through. But we're resilient here in Minneapolis, uh, and we are a community that thrives on solidarity. And so we have been um, holding on to one another and helping each other through not just the pandemic, but the financial crisis. And now, you know, dealing with systematic racism and police brutality. Yeah, well, you've got your hands full, for sure. Indeed. Well, we are just so blessed to have you with us. It's so wonderful to have somebody who's so courageous and so consistent and so compassionate when it comes to the least of these in the biblical sense, the ones catching hell, oppressed folk here and around the world. How do you read this present moment, though, I mean, we've got this kind of neo-fascism escalating. We need to push the gangster out of the White House. And yet at the same time, we've got contestation among the coalition itself. Well, how do you read this moment? Yeah, I mean, we, we have to remember, right, that we didn't we didn't arrive in this moment by accident. Everything that we are 
living through and you know thinking of as a as a painful moment in our history was ushered in by decades of social and economic neglect by systems that weren't designed for many of us to not survive and thrive and you know we have had decaying really of our systems of democracy and our morality that has led its way into allowing someone like the president that we currently have to come to power and you know i was i was uh reminiscing about you know my my arrival here in the united states and i mm-hmm. i was thinking about how my father would have reacted if someone told him that you know someday we we would have a, a president unhinged enough to to use his daughter's name in every rally and conversation to stir up hate but that also the american people would vote for someone who would not only neglect to fully address a public health crisis uh, address you know an economic crisis that's bringing on devastation onto people but would take joy in unearthing trauma for people and sort of thriving in dividing our nation and not uniting it and and i said you know my dad would have uh told him to seek help because <laughs> um, <laughs> I think you know to to many of us we are we continue to be stuck in this moment where we're we're analyzing this situation from a decency point of view right like how did we get here how would our country our fellow countrymen and women would allow someone like this president to come to power but if you look at the the complacency um that has been part of our systems for so long for so many people it's not that surprising there isn't that much to analyze um we haven't invested in strengthening our communities we haven't invested in strengthening our democracy we haven't invested in making a representative democracy actually represent its people uh, and we haven't invested in having you know the mechanisms to allow for you know government to be of the people and for the people and so now do we not only have fascism at our doorsteps but we also have a system that is for the first time i would say in the open sort of robbing the the american people and you know every single day somebody says why can't you hold him accountable why isn't this administration accountable and we can't because we haven't really invested in strengthening our accountability measures to stop someone from exploiting them yeah yeah mm-hmm. you know what you say there um really puts into more into broader context of the crisis that we're facing regarding not just the moment but this legacy of neglect and this legacy of of certain kinds of of racialized corruption in particular so it made I'm wondering if you could focus this uh issue in on um George Floyd and all of the institutional mechanisms and systemic forces that you describe 
uh, that you referenced, you know, that brought him into the situation he was in, because, you know, some conservatives and others might say, you know, listen, it's a Democratic leader in, a, in the town, right? Uh, the district was um, uh, a Democratic district. You know, how is it that um, this could happen to George Floyd in, in what would be considered uh, a, a, you know, a, a relatively liberal context. But can you can you unpack what you were just saying in relation to that? Because I think people need to hear why this isn't just a matter of of individual institutions being able to respond to this kind of crisis. Yeah, I mean, we are we are seeking to have equal access to systems that were created without us in mind. And so it doesn't really matter the the amount of reforms we carry on if the whole system is sort of designed to not grant you access to opportunity and prosperity, access to your civil liberties, access to your full humanity, access to dignity. You know, people think of Minnesota as as a liberal haven, um, and it is for for a lot of people. Uh, but it's also one of the worst states for Black people to live in. Every single study has shown that Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Illinois um, are the worst three states for Black people to live. Uh, and that's that's not because the people in power haven't done the work of trying to reform these systems. Is that the systems themselves didn't imagine people like us living here and didn't create systems to fully allow us to exist as ourselves, fully equal to everyone else. Um, mm. And so you will see the the disparities because... The systems aren't designed to educate our children. The systems aren't designed to create economic investment in our communities. The systems aren't designed to adequately absorb us into society. And, you know, the the kind of transformation that is needed is asking of people to do something that they haven't done before. And there is fear uh, amongst many because their way of life feels threatened when you are asking for them to, you know, expand their their thought process and to reimagine a system where everybody's way of life is protected and uplifted. Mm. Mm. The events calendar is filling up here at Intelligence Squared, and to create each one, we obviously rely on some brilliant guests and onstage talent. But behind the scenes, there's also a producer, a production team, and the budget in the mix too. You've got to keep an eye on all of that stuff in one place. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. And you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because it's super easy to get started. NetSuite exists in the cloud, you see. No hardware needed. So you're cutting IT costs too. That's why over 37,000 companies have already made the move. And now by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-the-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash squared. That's netsuite.com slash squared. netsuite.com slash squared. 
Sponsoring the show for this episode is Marquee TV. Marquee TV is a streaming service with a difference. It's bringing you the top tier of performing arts straight into your living room or onto your device. So think dance, theatre, music, anything you might find in the West End, Broadway, or maybe a cool little experimental space too, but saving you the cost of a few tickets as well. I've got happily a bit lost in their vast library of performances, exclusive interviews, and behind-the-scenes content. Choreographer Jonathan Watkins' interpretation of George Orwell's classic 1984 was pretty cool, and I love the dance piece, Sutra, inspired by the skills of Buddhist Shaolin monks. And we've got a special treat for our listeners. Marquee TV offers three months of access for just 99 cents. That's right, three months for only 99 cents. With the code squared, simply visit marquee.tv and use the promo code squared to dive into the world of arts like never before bring the arts home with marquee tv you know, it just strikes me that one of the uh, historically unique callings that you have and have been able to execute in such a powerful way is to try to convince folk on the ground that that system was not designed for them almost like Martin Luther King, you call for revolution, fundamental change in priority, shift of power and wealth from those at the top to everyday people. But you also are able to do that inside of the very system itself. So you got this inside, outside dialectical dance that is so difficult to do. How do you pull that off, my sister? You know, I'm I'm an organizer. And so having that mindset um, and bringing that in into the holes of power has allowed me to not forget, right. Who, who I work for, (laughs) where I came from, what it felt like to be out protesting and organizing people to see themselves as not only part of the system, but to see themselves as agents of change. Uh, And now that, that I am there. That's, that's the only way I can see myself. And, you know, if we think about what Martin Luther King was fighting for and how he transformed, you know, even his messaging after the civil rights battle was won was to, to speak about, there is no good at, right. Like having equality when he said, what is it to have a seat at the counter if you can't buy the burger? Right, um, right, it right. is to to understand that you know I don't I don't just want you to see me as equal. I also want you to see me as deserving of equal opportunity and prosperity and everything that that is part of the promise of America. And so, so for many of us, we recognize that our cries in the streets can be legislated, right? And we can, in the ways in which they have codified profit for corporations and prioritizing capitalist society, we can codify our opportunities for prosperity into law as well. We can codify our right to wealth and joy and dignity and humanity. And I know that um, that's a great task, but we are, we are, we are up to it. Yeah, you are up to it. That is for sure. Um, But what, what are some of the obstacles that may also be inside the democratic party, right? 
it's easy in these highly polarized voting presidential election contexts to think of it simply between two parties. But, you know, if Biden wins the White House uh, and Democrats win the House and the Senate, you know, do you think that there'll be enough groundswell within the context of the Democratic Party to embrace the kinds of progressive visions for the kinds of opportunity that you just described? Uh, yes and no. <laughs> I know that, you know, there there is going to be a cohort within the Democratic caucus in Congress, whether it's in the Senate or in the House, that really is clear-eyed about what our objectives are in addressing the decades of social and economic neglect that many of our communities have experienced that have brought us to, to this moment and have been laid bare by, by the public health crisis. But I also know that what we are seeking to do um, hasn't been done before, and we will be faced with many obstacles, and a lot of people will try to go back to, to their traditional conversations about incremental change, and we can't move fast enough, we can't dream big enough, and we can't implement transformative change. But what we are mobilizing for right now isn't just to sustain the House and win the Senate and get the White House, but it's to keep up the momentum on the ground because we are, we're going to need an organized electorate in order to have sustainable change. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think part of the challenge is how do you get a Democratic Party where its major corporate wing is so tied to Wall Street and Pentagon militarism to focus on the predatory capitalism on the one hand and that militarism abroad, the drones in Somalia and Yemen and so forth, and at the same time deal with the white supremacy and male supremacy at home, the homophobia and transphobia at home. Now, you have been able to speak with courage to each one of those issues. That's a rare thing for elected official. Now, I know I don't I don't want to just keep coming back to that point, but my dear sister, that's a rare thing and it needs to be said and acknowledged and highlighted. And yet you've got to walk your own tightrope. We're glad to have you on our tightrope. But, but you got you got to walk your own tightrope daily and you've been able to do it so well. And we just wonder, it, it's hard to say how that's going to, going to unveil. We've got to get the gangsta out of the White House first. That's, that's, that's the crucial thing right now. But after, I think it is going to be a battle, and one wonders how that's going to uh, proceed, though, you know? Yeah. I mean, so I, I will say, you know, I think one, one, one of the most threatening things about me to not just the right, um, but to the establishment at large, is that the, the unique lens that I bring as someone who has lived outside of the United States, who had... Uh, a window to to the soul of of America, um, and who now lives in America and is an American um, who gets to see the the soul of America from a different point of view, is that I I know how we see ourselves, and I know that how other people see us, and there is a clear gap, 
And most of us have values and principles that don't allow us to want that gap to exist. And I think the awakening of that consciousness is really what has made me a threat to the powers that be, because it is an important awakenness that needs to happen. People have to be awakened from the complacency of believing that everything that we are doing outside of this country that we seem to think is done out of a humanitarian point of view isn't being viewed that way to the people we are trying to be, you know, responsive to and and supportive to. And if we want that value to be carried out and those principles to be carried out, then we have to change the way that we carry out our, our missions of, um, of, of, of foreign engagement. And, you know, domestically, I think a lot of people also, you know, I know you talk about this, Bernie talks about this often, is that we don't make a clear connection about the economic devastations that we are living here in here in the United States and those the least of us are bearing the burden of that economic devastation and every time they ask for a cancellation of student debt or they ask for an increase in in the minimum wage or they ask for you know a housing program that that ends our homelessness or they ask for more support for our veterans who are living on the side of the streets or even you know addressing our climate crisis people say how can we afford it right um how are we going to pay for it and that conversation never takes place when it comes to our supporting our endless wars it never comes to you know the billions of dollars we shell out every single year to the pentagon those conversations aren't asked when we are talking about what defending our our country looks like but our defense is also domestic and if we are to invest in creating a stronger society that would ultimately make us safer and would lead to you know a more prosperous United States. You know, it is, it's almost ironic and laughable that there are so many people who are coming out on an America first banner and, and rhetoric who are not interested in investing in raising the minimum wage, are not invested in addressing our climate crisis, are not invested in ending homelessness, are not invested in, you know, stopping Wall Street um, from robbing, you know, the American people blind are not invested in, you know, stopping these endless wars and, you know, the bloating of the Pentagon budget. And, you know, the way that we get to do what you asked earlier is by continuing to emphasize that, you know, and, and sending out that message to the American people that our work has always been about putting people first And, you know, the people who are telling you (laughs) that we are somehow radical for wanting to feed our children and house our folks and create a a livable planet um, are the ones that are not 
putting America first and are not are not the ones that are putting your lives first. Wow, well put, well, well put. And so powerful. This is very much so. Um, I know you have a hard stop, and so we don't want to hold you up, especially because we know you're going off to do good things, and we hope your family stays safe and that, you know, with the last few days on this trail are treat you well. And we really hope you join us again on the tightrope. And uh, we're also sharing this space with Intelligence Squared. So we welcome you back to uh, either venue in the future. And we, we thank you again for joining us here on the tightrope today. Yeah. Thank you both. Well, we know that Elana means beautiful voice, powerful voice. The Negro National Anthem is lift every voice as a prophetic Muslim voice and the legacy of Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali and so many others. We salute you and we are with you. Thank you. Boy, Cornell, that was an amazing conversation with Representative Omar. She is just a, a force for good and such an inspiration. She's got a powerful intellect. She's got a strong spirit and a compassionate mm. heart. She really does. It was so impressive how she really transform this, you know, America first framework so that it really speaks to the everyday needs of everyday people. Right. I mean, it was a, it was a terrific um, reframing that was quite inspiring. That is so true. But when you look at the kind of cheap chauvinism of the American first and then apply a serious morally informed analysis of who actually lives in America. If you're not right. talking about poor people, working people, you're not talking about people who are catching hell, the America first ends up being a small little slice of America, usually on the vanilla side of the country, you see. And she mm-hmm. just laid that out so well with such an eloquence that uh, I'm so glad that we all could hear what she had to say. Well, thank you, Cornell. <laughs> Thank you, you for so a, a riveting conversation as always. And uh, I think we have dialogue. to s- always, always. And we're really delighted to have had a special takeover episode with Intelligence Squared. And we look forward to partnering with them again in the future. And we want the fans of each group to join each other's network. So Intelligence Squared people come on over to the tightrope. We promise we'll give you a safety net. And uh, the tightrope people go over and check out Intelligence Squared. They know how to debate for real over there. All the links you'll need are in the description of this episode to join each other's communities. What are you doing right now? Perhaps you're in the supermarket. Maybe you're on a run or on the commute. But wherever you are in the world, and whatever you're doing, right now you're also listening to my voice. This is the power of podcasts. The ability to communicate with your audience in an intimate and intentional way through audio. I'm B. Duncan, Senior Partnerships Producer at Intelligence Squared. We've been a world-leading forum for talks, debates and events for over two decades. And we also use our cutting-edge curation, creativity and editorial expertise to elevate your brand to new audiences with podcasting. Intrigued? To find out what we can do for your organisation, book into a free consultation with me today. Find out more by going to www.intelligencesquared.com forward slash partnerships.